than money. Good morning. Don't let that music fool you. That was just John playing a trick on you. This is Alyssa Young. I'm your host today, and Jean's not here, so we thought we'd throw you off a little bit and play Jean's music, and you'd expect to hear his voice, but I'm on my own today, so welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. It is October 23rd already. It's a gloomy morning right now. Hopefully that improves for the rest of the weekend. Uh, we are broadcasting live here in Whitehall Township from iHeart Radio Studios, WAEB. You can listen to us on the radio if that's where you've tuned in, or you can listen to us live streaming online. You can find the link on morethanmoneyonline.com. A red button will pop up and you can click it. That way, if you're on the go today and you still want to stay tuned into the show for the next two hours, you can get it on your phone, on your computer, on your iPad, and you won't have to worry about losing the signal. Uh, This show is all about retirement, investments, estate planning, all that kinds of good stuff, but it's about more than money. It's about you. Um, So we like to answer your questions, talk about your situations, share information that will help you. So you know the drill. You can call in or email during the show and ask your questions or share your input. I'll give you that information now so that if you think of something or if you've had something come up in your mind over the past week that you want to ask, you can get in touch with us. So you can call 610 720-7900. When you call that number, John Elliott answers the phone, and you just tell him your name and what you're calling about, and then I'll get you on the air as soon as possible. Or you can send me an email if you don't want to call and talk over the air. Um, my email address is alyssa at askmtm.com. That's A-L-Y-S-S-A at askmtm.com. I would um, be happy to try to help you out today and um, share a little bit of information along the way. So uh, this week, Jean and I, along with Diane, Greg, Mark, and Chad, we spent some time in Atlanta. We went down to Georgia on Thursday morning, and we came home about dinner time yesterday, so it was a quick trip. We had a workshop with our uh, broker-dealer, our compliance arm, SFA Partners, and they hosted us at the Hyatt Regency, and we talked about all kinds of good stuff. There were some sessions on um, interest rates and how fixed income securities work in low interest rate environments. We talked about trusts, um, the kind of trust that you um, establish to pass on your assets to your uh, your uh, beneficiaries, your heirs, after you die. Uh, We talked about um, being a fiduciary and what that means for us, what our role is. We heard from an economist about what's happening right now during the pandemic and the future of um, the stock market and um, just general economic factors. We talked about in a investment innovation, so mutual funds, ETFs, indexing, some interesting stuff there. And we talked about our client relationships, which at More Than Money is our priority, um, building relationships with our clients. So um, that's what we always talk about is 
being there to be someone you can trust, someone who understands your needs and we can customize what we're doing to benefit you the best. So um, we're looking to work with people who we expect to be partners with for 20, 25 years um, and you have a team behind you along the way. Um, and Mr. Gene Dickinson presented along with um, another um, advisor about the downside and how to help people manage the downside in the market. So he did a great job explaining annuities and how we use them when they are appropriate in our clients' portfolios. Gene did an awesome job, as I'm sure you would expect. Um, He's no stranger to speaking to an audience, so um, we were proud of him. But yeah, we all... um, learned a few things and had a chance to, you know, get together with other advisors. And that's something that we make a priority because there's always something new uh, to learn. And um, we want to use that information to benefit you, our audience and our clients. So um, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to do that. And then when we got back last night, um, I went to the Nazareth High School football game where uh, my son and his team um, beat Whitehall, which secures them a spot in the playoffs. We've got one more regular season game next week against Easton, also at home. Um, The good news yesterday before the game, actually before we got on the plane to come home, was that there was an arrest made in the case about the bomb threats. So if you remember a couple weeks ago, Gene and I mentioned how um, the night before the show, Um, The Nazareth High School football stadium had to be evacuated just after the game started because there was a bomb threat. And then the following week, we couldn't go watch the game in person because of another threat to the game where it it was being played at Emmaus. And so uh, they still had the game with some extra security, but no spectators were allowed. And we watched on uh, the YouTube stream on my TV. Um, apparently there was also a third threat against Dorney Park, um, all made by, allegedly made by the same person, a 15 year old who lives in Bushkill Township. So, uh, FBI did some work and traced down the, the phone numbers to email addresses associated with the accounts made to establish those phone numbers, executed a search warrant on a house in Bushkill Township where the 15 year old, asked to speak to the law enforcement authorities who came and apparently um, confessed to making these threats. So uh, I you know, pray for that child and his or her family uh, that they get things straightened out. I'm glad to know that we have that kind of behind us, um, at least, you know, for now. It was good to have that news before the game yesterday. So uh, I know that there were extra security protocols in place before the game started. The stadium had been locked up until 6 o'clock and things like that. But um, that's some good news. So if you were wondering where that stands, that's that's the update. Um, there's a little article in today's newspaper about the supply chain. And this is probably one of the things that concerns me the most right now about um, the economy. And the good news is I know it's something that can be fixed and, you know, and it's temporary. But the fact that there are supply chain issues that are um, hurting companies' ability to produce the things that they need to be able to sell in order to make money um, is the thing that scares me. Because when we're talking about, you know, investing 
we're talking about companies being able to make money in order for you to make money with your investments. And if they can't produce and sell goods, um, that's a problem. So this article talks about um, industrial production last month falling 1.3% and supply chain um, depressing manufacturing sector uh, by 0.7% in September. Um, we've heard a lot about semiconductor shortages that are hurting auto automakers. Um, so their output plunged 7.2%. So this article says this is a third decline in manufacturing production in the past four months. And many economists are afraid that this is going to extend into 2022. So if it's slowing output, that could also help elevate um, inflation. And we're going to talk a little bit about inflation today. Um, so these problems are causing some people to you know, cut their economic growth forecasts. But the important thing to keep in mind that e- even with those, those cuts, d- dialing back expectations, um, we're still expecting economic growth, um, GDP growth, to be a healthy rate. So it's just lower than where it has been. Um, that's an important caveat to remember. So, um, you know, yes, there's problems that need to be addressed, not only the factory output, but even the distribution. So you've heard about the cargo ships, you know, stuck at port and things like that. Um, we had problems earlier in the year with just, you know, road transportation, um, gasoline, you know, not being able to get to the gas stations and stuff like that. So there's, those are all, you know, problems that are, they slow down our ability to be productive in the economy. Um, and I do feel confident that those things will get addressed. They are temporary. Um, and that goes back to that whole, you know, we talked about this on the show over the last couple of weeks, the whole, uh, your time frame. what's your time horizon and remembering if you're, uh, you know, in this for the long term, um, and even if you're retired already, you're still invested for the long term because you want your investments, you want your portfolio to last you for a long time. So even if you say, you know, oh, I, I'm planning to retire in the next five years, so I'm a short term, you know, this is a short term endeavor. It's not. It's a it's you want that money to last you for a couple more decades if we're lucky to have you for that long. So um, keep that in mind so we're not too scared by this kind of news. Uh, I think it's just going to explain, you know, some turbulence in the market over the next few months, maybe the next year. Um, but we'll get past it. We'll get through we'll get through that. So let me remind you um, how you can reach me during today's show. Again, the phone number here is 610. 610- 720-7900. So I'd love to hear from you if you have a question or something you want to talk about. Or you can send me an email uh, to Alyssa at askmtm.com. Um, and speaking of emails, we received some this week that I um, have in front of me here that we can share. It might help you. So I'll read the email and then um, answer the question for you. This one says, my wife and I have an annuity with an insurance company. 
We are in the fourth year of a five-year contract, and we received a letter that said that daily operations are in a third party. It said it does not change the status of the contract. It's in rehabilitation with the commissioner of the North Carolina Department of Insurance. The court ordered a moratorium that remains in place. Can you give us an answer to what this means? Sure. So what this means is that the company that issued the annuity is in financial difficulty of some kind. And North Carolina has actually taken over administration of this annuity contract. So uh, as a result of this, uh, the policy may be frozen for a period of time until a new company steps in. Uh, The big question for you is, will the benefits that the original company promised still be honored? Will you still get what you expected to get when you entered into this contract? The answer is maybe, maybe not. Uh, That's still to be determined. Can't predict exactly how that will shake out, but there is kind of a change of guard here happening. And um, I'm sure, you know, North Carolina will do the best to protect you, but there might be some changes coming. So you'll have to wait for, you know, updates, communication. Um, I hope that answers a little bit, but yeah, that's definitely something you probably were not real excited about receiving uh, that letter. Um, We can help with um, annuities in a couple ways. Uh, One thing that's important to note about this is, you know, so as I started my explanation, the company that issued the annuities in financial difficulty, one of the things you want to look at when you're starting an annuity contract would be the rating of the insurance company. And, you know, that's information that you have access to that you can research um, pretty easily. But, uh, you know, all these different insurance companies have, you know, ratings that will tell you what is the likelihood, um, you know, that they're still going to be around, that they're going to be able to, uh, you know, fulfill the promises to you. So check that out before you start an annuity. Don't just assume that, you know, they're all created equal. And, of course, that doesn't mean that, you know, an insurance company that has a decent rating is not going to come into some kind of difficulty unexpectedly that, you know, there's no guarantees, but um, that's part of the research that you can do. Um, And also we do offer something called an annuity audit. We work with an annuity specialist uh, at MTM. And if you have a contract, you're not sure like if you're not sure if it still works for you, if maybe you're unclear on what the terms are because you didn't purchase it yourself or you don't remember, maybe you were, a lot of people tell us that they have this annuity that they, you know, somebody recommended it, but they never really fully understood it. And now, you know, maybe years later, it's time to annuitize it or they're actually coming into that period of time in their life when they're going to need the money somehow. And they want some clarity on what does this mean? Because they can be pretty confusing, um, to be honest. There's lots of different types of annuities. And if you read the paperwork, it's not exactly written in English that you might understand. There's a lot of terminology and things that um, might make you your head spin. So if you want us to take a look at your annuity and explain it to you, or tell you if you have options. For example, you could surrender the annuity, get that premium back out. Um, if you know, depending on the terms, um, or if you you can exchange it for something that might get you a better income stream or a death benefit that you don't have now. Just just examples because there are so many different uh, types and so many different flavors and options and 
um, bells and whistles you can add. We can take a look at the contract details and explain to you and answer any questions you have about can it do this, can I do this instead, and so on. So um, you would just reach out to us, and there's um, like a form essentially that you know we would fill out um, for you with the information from your annuity contract, and we get that into the hands of our annuity specialist. His name is Kagan Morris, and he will come back to us with you know, that report. And we can even hook you up with a meeting together with Kagan. We can talk to him on the phone or on Zoom and he can explain it and answer your questions. So if you do have one of those annuities, those mysterious annuities um, in your portfolio and you're looking for some clarity, keep that in mind. We would be happy to help you um, explain it and know if it's really what you need right now. Okay. Uh, Let's see what else we have here. I have some um, articles I found that would be, uh, I thought might be helpful. And, oh, one of them is actually, so I really don't want to talk about this, but it, uh, people are, and I'm going to, not going to be able to avoid it for very long, but yeah, uh, Christmas is not that far away. And if you've also heard, um, you know, news reports about if you want, you know, this season's hot toys, you better order them soon because of the supply chain problems and your gifts might not arrive on time. And I just want to like curl up in a dark corner when I hear that stuff because I have no interest in starting Christmas shopping or thinking about that. It's just overwhelming and I, I, I'm i not into it yet. I'm one of those people who's like maybe after Thanksgiving, I'm ready to start thinking about it. But I know that there are a lot of people who plan way f- further in advance and so I actually wrote um, a column for our church newsletter about how to give investments or financial gifts and just give some ideas. And maybe this would be a great alternative to shopping for those in-demand um, in demand toys that you, you know, can't find or whatever. <laughs> so um, here's a couple ideas for you. Um, you know, if you give someone investments or, you know, a financial contribution, um, what are some ways that, you know, it helps? Well, of course, we've talked about how they grow, right? So time and the power of compounding can make any investment, large or small, grow into something very significant. And you can, if you give somebody that start, you can really feel blessed to be a blessing in their life. Um, Keep in mind, you can give up to $15,000 per person per year without needing to even file any paperwork. Um, You have an $11.7 million lifetime exclusion on giving gifts without without tax implications. but if you do exceed those annual or lifetime amounts, you know, there's an IRS form that you need to fill out. Um, so, yeah, it's you have plenty of leeway is what I'm getting at here. Plenty of leeway to give money as gifts. And um, one of the things that's really cool about it is if you start this kind of as a tradition, you know, an annual thing or for every holiday or occasion, um, it makes it a lot easier when you don't have to like think of a good idea, a good gift idea, because you just kind of can go into autopilot. So for for children, um, one way that you can get them started in the world of investing would be to open a custodial account. So minors can't have their own accounts. They can't own their own accounts. So one trusted adult needs to serve as a custodian for each minor and um, until in Pennsylvania he or she reaches the age of 21. That's where you're an adult 
in that world <laughs> in Pennsylvania. Um, you still put the minor's social security number on the account, so you'll, you'll need to know that information. Um, but you can certainly open a custodial account to um, start making investments or even just as a, you know, like a bank savings account. Um, so you can put money into it on their behalf. Um, a Roth IRA is something we've talked about for, for kids, how you can help them get started. Now, the child has to show, be able to show earned income. But what's, what this means is, like, let's say you know a kid who has a part-time job and they make just $2,000 a year. We'll just use that as an example. So what we're saying is you can open a Roth IRA as a custodian for that child and you can put that $2,000 a year or up to $2,000 a year into the account. So while the child's earning that money, that's the limit on what can be contributed, but you are giving them that contribution into the Roth IRA. So instead of putting their earnings into the IRA, you're putting money in um, at the limited amount on their behalf. So that's a great way to help them get started saving for retirement in the future. And, you know, we've talked about how with compounding that can grow um, to a very significant amount when they actually need it. And another way to support a child financially would be to contribute to a 529 college savings plan. So when you contribute to that, um, you're invest, it's invested and it grows to support that child's education. And when they take that money out, it's going to be the amount you put in plus whatever growth uh, it accumulated. And they can use that to pay tuition, room and board, textbooks, um, any required fees for their enrollment. And there's no tax on that money as long as it's used for those qualified expenses. Even for adults, you can give financial gifts. You can open an account that an adult would inherit as your beneficiary when you pass. Um, if you use a retirement account for this, keep in mind that your beneficiary will need to take the money out of the account within 10 years of inheriting it. Um, you can open a joint account with someone else's name uh, on it along with your own. And then, you know, they have ownership of, of that when, when you die. You can transfer shares of a security you already own to another adult's existing brokerage account. Um, and another idea is even just to make a donation to a charity in your loved one's name. That's a thoughtful and meaningful gift. So just a few ideas as you're starting to think about the holidays coming around the corner. I'm trying not to quite yet, but if you are, uh, maybe that helps you give something um, more significant than a toy or stuff, right? <laughs> um, so we are coming up on our first break. I'm just going to remind you real quickly how you can reach me. Call 610-720-7900 if you have a question or a comment, or please send me an email to alyssa at askmtm.com. That's A-L-Y-S-S-A at askmtm.com. And we will be back shortly with more questions, answers, uh, topics of discussion. And um, I hope to hear from you, too. Be right back.
Welcome back to More Than Money. I am your host this morning and your personal financial advisor. My name is Alyssa Young. I work with Gene and the team at MTM Financial Group. And he left me here all alone this morning. Well, with John. John's here, so I'm not really alone. And I have you, all of you. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Um, today is the other Alyssa's birthday. Um, Jean and Diane's daughter, Alyssa, celebrates her birthday today. So I want to wish you a happy birthday, Alyssa. Um, you have a great name. <laughs> but you also have a great family. Uh, you're a great person. And I hope you enjoy the birthday weekend. Um, so you know the drill, but I'm going to remind you again. You can call the show here at 610-720-7900 or email me at alyssa at askmtm.com. And I will try my very best to answer your questions, uh, even though I don't have 780 years of experience like Jean does. Um I also want to remind you that you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter. If you're not getting that already, please reach out to us so you can start to receive that, you know, another piece of information um, once a month. And you can get it by mail, snail mail, or by email. And the newsletter has, like, you know, usually kind of an introductory topic, um, you know, letter that that Gene writes. There's questions and answers very similar to what you're used to hearing here on the show. Um, and then another little kind of personal note from Gene at the end. And then when it comes time to for certain, you know, helpful tips like for tax season and things like that, we have, you know, more timely uh, articles and information and instructions for you in those newsletters. So you can subscribe to it by going to our website, morethanmoneyonline.com. Go to the media menu and then click subscribe to our newsletter. Or you can call our office to request it or send me an email to request it and just um, give us whatever method you want to receive it, either your email address or your uh, physical mailing address, and we'll put you on the list. So it's that easy. Um, if you missed our show last week, I'm sorry, because we had um, Mark Basak here. He is our Social Security uh, specialist, retired from working at Social Security, and now we snatched him up and he works as a consultant for us um, to help people understand their Social Security and Medicare benefits. So we spoke with him for like an hour last week. Um, and one of the reasons we brought him on now is because it is Medicare open enrollment period. So that's why I'm reminding you about this or kind of telling you what you missed because it's still important to know that if you're on Medicare and you have an Advantage plan or a drug plan, um, this is your opportunity to make any changes to the plan. Um, you have until December 7th to do that. So check out what you have now and whether there's any, you know, if there are any changes that would benefit you um, if things in your life have changed or if things in your plan have changed um, you want to, you know, look online or call Medicare and find out um, if you have a better option, whether it gets you better coverage or saves you money. Um, there are, I'm trying to see, I'm just looking over my notes from our discussion with him to see if there's anything specific that I wanted to um, tell you about that. He did talk about, oh, yeah, there's phone numbers you can call if you're not good with the Internet and you don't want to go to Medicare.gov to do that research. Um, Mark gave the phone numbers for 
Pennsylvania Medicare offices in Northampton County and Lehigh County. So I'm just going to give you those numbers again. The Northampton County phone number is 610-829-4540. The Lehigh County number is 610-782-3200. So if you're not comfortable using a computer but you need some help with your Medicare choices, you can call either of those numbers. Um, If you want to schedule time to talk to Mark, we can set that up for you. We have appointments where you know he comes into our office and he can either meet with you in person um, in the More Than Money offices on uh, Hanoverville Road in Lower Nazareth Township or over the phone. Um, so you can call our office and I'll give you our office um, number at the end of the show just so I don't confuse you with the phone number that you need to call to talk to me now during the show. Um, anyway, we can schedule that appointment for you to have a meeting with Mark and you can pick his brain for an hour, uh, tell him your situation, uh, ask your questions, and he will um, help you out in lots of great ways. Um, I also want you to know that you can hear that show and any of the past radio shows on our website. Um, there's a radio show archive on our website, so you can look for last week's show there. So that would have been the October 16th show. And you can play that back and um, share it with somebody else who you think it might benefit. And also, all of the radio shows are available as a podcast. So any um, app you use to listen to podcasts um, has more than money on it. And you can you know, listen to the shows streaming or download them and listen to them. So um, keep that in mind as well. If you miss something, um, you can go back and check it out. Uh, so let's see. I have an email from somebody who is asking me to talk about what you should do during inflationary periods. What investments are good during an inflationary period? Um, that is a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, there are some ways you can protect your portfolio from inflation. So uh, I can share some of those with you. Um, interestingly enough, one of the... Um, Biggest increases in the consumer price index recently was car used car prices. And the reason for that primarily was that car rental companies, um, when COVID hit, dumped their fleets out, you know, in the market because they didn't have demand for rentals. People couldn't travel. So they had all these cars sitting on their lots that they could not make money off of. So they sold them. And now Demand's going back up, and they're trying to buy back these cars because travel is happening again. So the price of used cars um, has, you know, spiked, and that's a big uh, factor in what's going on with inflation. Um, There's another point that I I found this article about uh, inflation that had a – um, an interesting point to keep in mind that all these economic figures we're talking about, most of them are comparisons to 12 months ago. And keep in mind, where were we 12 months ago? Um, things were not very rosy um, in the first you know, year of the pandemic. So a lot of prices were falling um, at the time. So this article saying that this you know, 5.4% inflation figure is um, kind of overstating you know, what's really happening just because we're comparing it to a time when things um, were not so good. Um, certainly, though, the Fed and you know fiscal policy is has been working on trying to keep our economy moving in light of the pandemic. And um, that's, you know, 
leading to, you know, this inflation, inflationary surges. So um, there are some things you can do, some things you should know about how it affects your investments. It is a greater threat to a bond-heavy portfolio than a stock-heavy portfolio. There is a direct correlation between, um, you know, fixed income interest rates um, and, and what your yield will be there um, and and then also your inflationary um, protection. Biggest biggest tip: stay focused on on your goals. So you don't want to go crazy trying to to protect your portfolio from inflation because then you can actually you know take different risks that aren't right for you and hurt you in the long run. So again, keeping in mind what I was saying at the very beginning of the show about, you know, temporary things and short-term things versus long-term investment goals, you have to be careful about balancing those. So some direct hedges for your portfolio um, to inflation. One of them, one of the most obvious ones, the purest ones is a tip. That's a treasury inflation um, protected security and they are designed to protect against inflation because the value, the price of the bond goes up when inflation goes up and it goes down when, when inflation goes down. Um, so other, in other um, bonds, you know, that's like that inverse relationship um, is what can be harmful to your return. But a tip is it moves along with inflation. So that's if you're really, you know, interested in a pure inflation hedge you can talk to your advisor about um, if a you know tips make sense in your portfolio um, keep in mind that those adjustments in the price um, in the value of the bond are taxed as income so if you hold a tip in a tax sheltered account like an IRA or a 401k um, then you won't have to pay tax you know on on those changes. Um, they are interest rate sensitive because they have very low yields. So, um, keep it short term so that you can limit your interest rate risk. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, another protection against inflation, a lot of people, you know, think about would be commodities. Um, so that's, you know, actual hard, you know, materials, things you can hold in your hand kind of, um, it's, we would wouldn't recommend going crazy with how much you put in your portfolio, but that's um, you know one little factor you could work into um, your portfolio. So lump, like oil and um, you know things that are not just kind of where those ambiguous investments. Um, I feel like there was a point I was about to make on that that escaped my mind. I think I need more coffee. Um, other indirect hedges for inflation, um, equity. So if you have a more stock-heavy portfolio um, than a bond-heavy portfolio, over the long term especially, you know, stocks tend to do better as inflation rises. So that's something that, um, you know, you should remember if you don't want to panic and pull out of equities during this time because they can actually help um, protect your your potential for returns. Um Workers getting raises can usually afford to invest a little bit more in stocks. Um, and also companies that have pricing power, they can um, raise their prices and that helps their value. So stocks are a pretty good place to be right now. A little less inflation concerns. 
Um, what else we have? Uh, gold is something, you know, some people think of as an inflation hedge, but there's some concerns. The same concerns that would, re, you know, relate to commodities funds also apply to gold. So probably not your um, best hedge. Some things that are uh, somewhat vulnerable to inflation. Of course, we talked about bonds already, so um, we wouldn't necessarily say that that's your most powerful tool. And the most vulnerable instrument or security to inflation would be long-term bonds with low interest rates, okay? Because you, you're you not having opportunity to, to grow. So as prices go up and your income level is low and staying the same, you know, then you, you don't, your dollar doesn't have as much purchasing power. Um, so don't go all, all 100% inflation protection because there's other risks too. And um, this is not you know, necessarily your only concern. Uh, you have to remember to keep your goals in mind, keep your time frame in mind. Um, but if you work in some tips, maybe a little bit of commodities, um, you, you real estate, you know, another option, put a few of those pieces of the puzzle. There are some um, uh, funds actually that are like a diverse, a diverse fund that brings in a little bit of all of these things. Uh, you could you could work one of those into your uh, portfolio and um, maybe that'll help you during this time of inflation. So I hope that helps. You know, it's definitely a conversation to have uh, with your advisor and see which things fit you best. No one tool is good for everyone. Um, but there are, you know, some options out there, some concepts that you can learn more about if you're worried about inflation. Um let me see what else we've got here. I think I have another email. I do. I have an email from someone in Bethlehem who says, My wife, upon her father's passing, inherited an IRA. We believe we would have to take a required minimum distribution this year. How do we figure out correctly the required minimum distribution for this year? Okay, great question. So, um... When you inherit an IRA, the required minimum distribution is um, it's a different it's different than when it's your own IRA when it's your own IRA. So if it's your own IRA, um, it's based on your age and the value of your account on December thirty first of the previous year. And when you have your account with a custodian like Charles Schwab, like we do, they can actually calculate your required minimum distribution for you. When it's an inherited IRA, things work a little differently. And when it's a non-spouse inherited IRA, um, you don't actually need to take a required minimum distribution um, if it's based on the 10-year rule. So you need to take the money out of an inherited IRA um, within 10 years of inheriting it. And you can do that in any um in any like schedule of of payments that you want so you could take money out um you know now and then again in five years and then the rest of it in 10 years or you can set up recurring distributions um if you want to have the money coming to you you know in set um amounts for over you know a, like a regular schedule so um 
there's you know different options. One of the things that you should know about how to to general generally um, calculate a required minimum distribution is there are calculators online um, where you can plug in the value and your age, and it will tell you um, what you need to take out each year, and that will change each year because the your age and the account value will change. Um, when you inherit an IRA from someone who died before the Secure Act before 2020, things are different. Um, you can that you had the option then of taking out the RMDs based on your life your life expectancy. So there are lots of um, different rules depending on the timing and depending on whether or not the person who had the IRA was already taking their required minimum distribution or not. So it can get a little bit complicated, but know now that if you inherit an IRA um, from someone who has died, you know, recently, um, you have 10 years to take the money out and you don't need to take it as an RMD. You can just take the money out as you as you wish. And it is taxable as income each time you make a distribution from that account. So um we will respond to that person by email as well. And, um, you know, again, depending on the circumstances, there could be different answers to questions based on timing and, and ages and things like that. So um, if you have specific questions about your circumstances, you can always reach out to us at the office and we will be happy to make sure you're having you're getting a customized answer to that question. Um, but, yeah, do know that there are differences on how that's handled based on whether you're inheriting it as a spouse or not, if you're inheriting it now or if it was before um, 2020. Uh, let's see. I've got another email we can answer. This one says, I put $3,000 a year away into a Pennsylvania guaranteed 529 from the birth of my son in 1997 until he was in ninth grade. When he was ready for college in 2015, he had about $84,000 available. He attended one year of college, left, and now at 24, has no intention to further continue his education. I also have no one else who can use these funds. Rather than continue to pay any more in administrative fees, I can liquidate the fund and after taxes and penalties, still have somewhere around $35,000. What is your opinion on me taking these funds out of the 529, putting them in a separate account, setting up a Roth IRA for him, and distributing them into the IRA based on his allowable yearly contribution? Thank you in advance for your response. P.S. I thought this situation might apply to others as well, and you might share it, might share it on the air. I encourage anyone who has children to contribute to a 529. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you for the question, and of course for your encouragement. Um, contributing to a 529 plan is a great idea. Um, I want to first explain a piece of this um, email that said, distributing the money into an IRA based on his allowable yearly contribution. So what does that mean? That means that there are limits on how much money you can put into a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA every year. And that limit is if you're um, a young person like this person is, that's $6,000 a year. Or your income. If your income is less than $6,000, 
your income your, is your is your max. So if he's only making five thousand dollars a year, he can't put six thousand in. Um, so that w- that's what they mean by allowable yearly contribution. Um, we've talked about the beautiful benefit of a Roth IRA being that as that money then grows, when you take it out in the future for retirement, those withdrawals are all tax free. So is this a great idea? I would say yes. If you truly don't have someone else um, who could benefit from this 529 uh, and you want to make sure that this you know, goes to your son, then helping him out by establishing that Roth IRA and making contributions um, would be great. So if he's got $35,000, you know, you can make contributions for the next, you know, five years or so and get started um, with, a, you know, a nice little nest egg that's going to grow into something very significant um, when it's time for him to retire. You can start taking money out of that Roth IRA after age 59 and a half without any penalties or taxes. Um, you certainly could keep the 529 and then maybe your son has kids and it becomes your grandchildren's 529 plan. That would be another thing to consider. It is um, definitely a possibility. You own it. You don't need to take it out. Um, It can still be used for educational expenses and have no taxes and penalties. And, you know, you'll have more money in it then for, for grandchildren. So that's something else you could consider if you want to keep it there a little longer. Um, one other point to make about this, it, they encourage anyone who has children to contribute to a 529. Um, you can set up like auto contributions to a 529 plan. That's what um, my husband and I do for our kids. So every month we have a set amount of money that's going into their accounts and then it's on autopilot and you don't need to remember, you don't need to think about it, you won't, you know, forget. So um, that's one great way to do it where, and then you kind of, don't miss the money because it's just automatically going there and, you know, you learn that that's just not part of what you have for spending every month. It's dedicated and, you know, installment. So um, 529 plans do give you some great benefits specifically for education, but there's also some flexibility there, just like this person described. If plans change, um, you can access the money for other things. You just have to pay a little bit of a tax, if you will. Uh, because it doesn't all come out, um, you know, the same amount doesn't come out if it's not for education. Um, one uh, other thing I wanted to share with you about end-of-year stuff, because we were just talking about gift, gifts for the holiday season, um, being that it is coming toward the end of the, the calendar year and the tax year. Um, one of the things that we're able to do right now is help better manage capital gains. So if you have a taxable brokerage account and you want to make some changes um, to it, whether you want to change the you know person managing your investments or um, take some money out for certain things, um, now that we're close to the beginning of a new tax year, one thing that we can do is help split up that tax liability and uh, realize or you know receive some capital gains now for 2021 and then wait just till January to get some more capital gains uh, that would not be then, you know, taxable or due in taxes until 2022. So um, I've had that benefit lately of a couple of clients with taxable accounts who, you know, we're making some changes and we say, okay, cool, we can split up this tax bill, if you will, and you can incur some of the capital gains tax now, and then we'll 
wait and make some other sell some other securities that have capital gains in a couple of months and then um you know have that tax bill kind of deferred a little bit so Keep that in mind as an opportunity now while you have November and December ahead of you if you don't want to get socked with one, you know, large bill for your capital gains. You want to split it up over two tax years. That's a good time to do it. So if you're thinking about that and need some help, um, certainly we can do that for you. Give us a call um, and we can talk through that in more detail for you. But um it's something that is uh, kind of one of those like end of year tax strategies that um, you might want to keep in mind. So I have lots more stuff to talk about, but we have to take a little pause here for a break. Um, when we come back, you can reach me at 610-720-7900 if you have questions or send me an email to alyssa at askmtm.com. That's A-L-Y-S-S-A at askmtm.com. And after this, we'll have lots more stuff to talk about. So stay tuned, and that will be back in a minute. Alyssa Young. I am your host and personal financial advisor this morning for More Than Money. Thank you for being here with me. I hope I'm keeping you good company. If I wasn't here, I would probably be at Zumba. Uh, I really enjoyed a nine o'clock Saturday Zumba class on weeks when I was free. And now that I'm here on the radio, I'm not doing Zumba. So I, I do miss my Zumba class. Um, one of the things that I, we have planned for you in a future installment of More Than Money, um, we're looking to interview somebody who is an expert in auto and home insurance policies. That's one of those financial things that might be confusing to you. And it's not something that we handle in, at our office, but um, we thought it might be a nice service to you to explain some of the confusing um, terms and um, rules and recommendations when it comes to insuring your car or your house. So if you have um, questions about home or auto insurance policies, if you're shopping for one, if there's uh, you know something that you you have in your policy that you don't really understand what it does for you, um, if you have any suggestions about things we should ask those people or whoever that person will be that we interview, um, I encourage you to send me your questions in advance um, so we can prepare for that um, segment. You can email me at alyssa at askmtm.com and let me know what you have um, on your mind about home and auto insurance so that, um, you know, we can make that show, that interview as um, helpful as possible. So again, just email me alyssa at 
askmtm.com at any point over the next week or so, and um, we'll prepare for that. I'm not sure exactly when uh, we'll have that interview, but we're working on setting that up. So um, think about it, and if you have questions that we can help you answer, then let me know what they are. Um, All right, so speaking of questions, I believe we have a caller on the line. Um, His name is Jim. Good morning, Jim. How can we help you today? Good morning, Alyssa. I'm interested in investing in drips, and I don't know how to identify them. Okay. Um, So a drip is a dividend reinvestment uh, stock. So that would be, you know, a company, a, a, a security that pays dividends, and they get reinvested. So in other words, they just, when you get that, Dividend is a is like a cash payment, right? From the from the funder right, yeah. from the company, and it goes but right is, back into your account. Go ahead, Jim. Is there a, a list of the drips? A list. Um, that's a good question. I'm sure that there are lists in our tools, um, and I'm sure if you go onto like a trusted site, um, you could certainly find lists. Like I do my research in. Uh, our Charles Schwab platform, and we have one called Morningstar. And yes, I can access lists. I'm sure that you can too. Um, okay. There's lots of great websites out there that have lots of good information. Um, so you can do that yeah. in some, you know, specific company stocks, but also look at like mutual funds or exchange traded funds. They have a whole like basically a basket of companies that all do that. They all pay dividends. So then that way you're getting dividends from you know, a fund of with a diversified diversified holdings and you're not relying on one company's success or performance. So you can, you know, kind of protect your investment. So there are funds that are specifically made for um, dividend paying companies, dividend paying stocks. That's what I needed to know. Thank you. Okay, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Um, one thing while we're talking about dividends, I can add for that. Um, when you're holding... Um, dividend-paying securities in a tax-sheltered account, um, like an IRA or, um, yeah, an IRA, a 401k, a Roth IRA, um, you don't have to pay any tax on those dividends, uh, you know, during the time that you're holding them before you start taking the money out. If it's a taxable account and you have dividends coming into your account at the end of the year, beginning of the next calendar year, you'll receive a, you know, a, a, a form for your tax return because you will have to pay tax on that dividend income um, on an annual basis. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but yeah, dividends are a great way to um, re reinvest that income so that you're expanding your ownership, expanding, you know, the, the amount of the security that you own and then therefore increasing your growth your appreciation growth potential and also the amount of dividends that you're earning. Um, it's uh, Other people sometimes use dividends actually as their income stream. Um, when we set up accounts in Charles Schwab for people and they want to set up ways to take money out of their account or to get, you know, kind of scheduled payments from their account, one of our options is instead of doing the dividend reinvestment like Jim was interested in, you can actually have your dividends come out of your investment account into your bank account, and that becomes like a paycheck, if you will. Um, so those are options that you have with dividends, but it's a nice, like, you know, kind of immediate return on your investment. And you could choose to either use that as cash flow, or you can use it as another way to just grow your holdings, grow your investment in the future. So thanks for that question, Jim. Dividends are a nice feature in a lot of investments. 
Um, so let's see. I've got some other questions we got by email. I have one here I can share with you. It says, hello, recently I saw your show and listened to your suggestion about having beneficiaries on various accounts to keep them out of probate and away from the tax man. Great info. I have taken steps to implement this on my accounts. All lending institutions should be so advising their customers about this apparently little-known possibility. Thank you. Now a question. My wife and I are executors on each other's will, wills with our adult children as sequential contingent executors. I have doubts that any would want the job and or may have no idea how to proceed. There are no other family members to name as executor, and trusted friends are my age or already gone. The goal is to make my passing as smooth as possible, rather than create more issues for the survivor for the survivors. Excuse me. Various suggestions have been presented: a living revocable trust, some type of conservator arrangement, a quote professional executor service if such exists, etc. None seem to offer a good solution. Any suggestions or comments would be most appreciated. Okay, I have lots of stuff to say about this email. (laughs) First, I just want to correct one statement so that if any of you are scratching your head, um, you're not confused. In the very beginning, it talked about putting beneficiaries on accounts to keep them away from the tax man. Where there is an inheritance tax, such as Pennsylvania... That's not true. Um, Even if you have a beneficiary on an account or a transfer on death status on an account, it's still subject to inheritance tax. Yes, it goes away from it doesn't have to go through probate, but you do need to pay inheritance tax on those accounts, even if they have a beneficiary um, or transfer on death status. Now, the other features of the, of that, they do go a long way towards simplifying the process. So any assets that you can establish that a beneficiary designation or transfer on death, um, it makes things a lot easier for your heirs. Uh, it's fewer things you know that need to go through that probate process, and the beneficiaries get access to those assets a lot more quickly. So that is still a great tip, but just so you know, you will still have the tax implications. Now... The rest of this question is about, like, who can be my executor? Because who knows how to do that? I mean, it's a very good point. Most people don't know how to be executor of a will. You don't, like, get taught how to do that. Um, you hear a lot of stories from people who are struggling to navigate all that. It's a headache for a lot of people, especially if the person who died is not organized or didn't have a lot of plans in place. Um, I, I've heard some nightmarish stories about going through um, all of their assets and how to get things done. And it's, it's definitely a challenge for most people, but preparing now does go a long way towards smoothing out um, the process. So when it comes to being or naming an executor of your will, the most important thing is that it's someone you can trust because you're not going to, 
find someone in your life who is like, oh, yeah, I'm good at uh, being a will executor. I mean, maybe they've done it before and they've learned something from the process. So that might be a better person to choose. But it's not like, you know, most people have a clear choice because it's, uh, you know, something that that they're good at or whatever. So you just need to make sure it's someone you can trust, someone who's maybe detail-oriented, responsible, they can follow instructions. They can read. <laughs> um, they, they have, you know, just good judgment. But really, keep in mind that when you're the executor of a will, you're really not supposed to, like, have much discretion. You're just following the rules. The will is a document, a legal document that the executor is required to follow. And it's going to lay out, like, what happens with what. But the other thing that's important to keep in mind is that the executor is going to be working with an estate attorney. And the estate attorney is the professional who really knows how this gets done. So the executor has guidance. Okay, you don't need to worry about somebody who has a law degree um, (laughs) who's been trained in this, that they're going to have that person in their corner um, to back them up. So with that said, I would say that, you know, one of your adult children probably can handle it. Um, and it is probably your best bet based on what you've told us, unless none of your adult children is responsible or detail oriented and can't follow directions. I hope that that's not true. Um, to address some of the other things that you raised about like a trust and other options, um, a trust is, is different, uh, and being an executor is a very brief role, okay? So after you die, the probate process should be relatively brief, and you're only serving as executor during that, and then your job is done. With a trust, the trustee is a person who's responsible for that. And so even if you were looking at a trust as an another option to avoid needing an executor, that's not really a substitute um, because only the things that can be put in a trust get handled through a trust document, you'd still have a will for the other stuff. But anyway, if you're looking at how a trust works, you have a trustee that needs to handle that. And that's a long-term job. And also it's not something people get trained in. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't have experience um, or, or, or any kind of uh, background or training in how to be a trustee. I just need to be fair. I need to have time to do it because a trust can be in place for years. Or decades. Um, A trustee needs to oversee taxes and distributions and record keeping. They need to be willing to do that because it can be um, a long-term obligation. This also can be a professional organization. As a matter of fact, while we were in Atlanta, we heard from a woman who works for a company that handles this for people. So that is something if you do have the need for a trust and you want to hire someone to take care of it to be the trustee, that is a possibility. Um, You can't put retirement accounts in a trust. So that's something else to keep in mind if you're looking at it as a, um, you know, a way to avoid other, uh, you know, requirements and work or whatever when you... um, when you die. Yes, retirement accounts have beneficiary status, so they don't have to go through probate, but just keep in mind that they cannot be in a trust because they have to be owned by an individual. Um, And so if you have retirement accounts, you should have a power of attorney that would give someone else the ability to manage those um, on your behalf. So 
and then you know, and then have those beneficiaries in place. So the, there's a lot of different um, words we're throwing around there. A lot of different terms. Things have different uses. Uh, different. They're applicable to different situations. Um, so one of the things that we can help you with when it comes to what's appropriate for you and your assets would be a consultation with our estate planning attorney partner. Um, that's one of those free second opinion meetings that we offer. So if you're hearing all of this and thinking, do I need a trust? Is my will sufficient to cover all this stuff? Um, you can make an appointment um, at our office to meet with Keith Stroll and ask him all those questions. He can look at your documents, make sure you have what you need to make this process as smooth as possible. Um, but, you know, kind of circling back to the main issue at hand here is who should it be? Just make sure it's somebody who is capable. Um, and that really means trustworthy. And then you need to have some organization. But again, it doesn't have to be a lawyer. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, someone who specializes in will executorship. <laughs> so hopefully that helps you. Um, if you have a question for me, you can call 610-720-7900, or you can send me an email to alyssa at askmtm.com. Um, a couple of um, emails sometimes reference, and I think this one did, that they saw your show. And then what they're talking about is Gene's um, TV show. Actually, has two TV shows. And I mentioned earlier that the radio show archives on our website, well, so are the TV show archives. So... When you go to morethanmoneyonline.com and go to the media menu, there's a TV show archive page where there are video clips from the Blue Ridge Cable TV show uh, that airs on Thursday nights and the PBS TV show that airs on Tuesday nights. Um, sometimes you see an appearance by yours truly on the PBS show and Megan is on the PBS show and on the Blue Ridge Cable show. So anyway, if you missed any of those and you want to get some more um, insights from Gene, you can watch those videos online. One of his recent um, PBS shows was an interview with the owner of the Hotel Bethlehem. And so that's a kind of a cool story you can check out. Um, I forget the date that one aired, but it was a couple episodes ago. It's um, easily accessible on that TV show archive page on our website. So don't miss that if you would like to see Gene answer your questions, not just hear him. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, I have all kinds of stuff. Oh, uh, I last time I was here on my own, I was sharing with you some tidbits from the book uh, called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. The subtitle on that is Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness. As you'll recall, I highly recommended that book. And I finished it uh, yesterday, I think, finally. And I have some more stuff that I want to share with you. So I'm going to kind of pick up where I left off. And um, I have a couple tidbits. And I probably won't show them all today, but I have a few here that I can um, highlight. And actually, um, let me start with this one because I've already alluded to it and I have um, an article that relates to it that I wanted to talk about. So this is really a, a really important point. Um, the book talks about how investors have different goals and time horizons. So the price they're willing to pay for an asset or the risk they're willing to take will be different. And this is so important if you're monitoring uh, the stock market day to day or uh, during the day, if you're looking at the news, watching the news, and you're looking at the ticker, 
keep in mind that day traders, people who are buying and selling within a day or even just a couple of days, don't care about the long-term valuation of a company's security or price-to-earnings ratios of a stock. It doesn't matter. If they're going to buy it now and sell it in a few hours when the price is expected to keep going up, it doesn't matter to them if the security is overvalued. They are playing the market a completely different way than a long-term investor who's in it, you know, in it for years. Those day traders ignore rules about valuation, which are the things that really govern long-term investment decisions, because they're irrelevant. They're playing a different game. That's what this book talks about. They are playing a different game. And when long-term investors try to get involved in the short-term investors' game, that's when the bubbles burst and people get hurt. So not all investors in the market share your goals or timeline. And that's so important because if you're looking at, you know, like I said, the news and the price changes and things and it makes you panic, it shouldn't if you're not playing the same game that those people are playing. And you have to remember that what they're doing, they're, they're buying and selling is affecting those prices um, in a way that's not as meaningful to you as the fundamentals about the, that company or that security. You know, is the company still going to be profitable? Is Are their earnings healthy and strong? Um, the things that really matter to you if you're holding a security for a long period of time and expect that growth that comes, you know, with time, um, you don't need to worry about what happens within a day. And so you've heard the term probably, if you are one of those people who's been watching the, you know, the news and the market, you've heard the term meme stock. Meme is M-E-M-E. And those are stocks that are seeing those dramatic increases in price. And they're mostly fueled by chatter on social media like Reddit and Twitter, uh, even Facebook or Instagram. But Reddit and Twitter have really been driving this a lot. And the trading in meme stocks, the things that people are talking about, chattering about, is usually driven by those short-term buyers and sellers. And I found this article. It, it was interesting. It said that... The rise of meme stocks is partly due to FOMO or fear of missing out. And so when you see all this news and people talking about, oh, like I just, you know, made 120% on, you know, this stock. And you're like, I need to get in on that. I don't want to miss out on that opportunity. So people going in and coming out are all, it's all driven by, you know, just this the, the, the chatter in the market is just like this temporary uh, increased interest. And what happens when there's these like rallies that then bust is a lot of people who are um, getting involved are shorting the stock. Um, and that means that they're, you know, they're, they're kind of frantic and they're betting that this stock is overpriced and is going to fall. The price is going to fall because they know that it's not the the price isn't based on true valuation. It's not based on those fundamentals. It's based on, you know, this hysteria, right? So the way you short a stock is you essentially sell shares that you don't own. So you're selling at the high price, let's say $100, in hopes that when it falls and you buy it at 50, then you can 
make money, you've made money because you sold it high and you bought it low. You just kind of did it in opposite order, just trying to simplify this explanation. So that's how you short a stock. But sometimes it doesn't work out the way that people expect them to do. And um, you end up with price volatility when, and people who are actually also borrowing money to take advantage of these opportunities and, you can end up losing a lot, and that's when you see those crazy swings. So just keep in mind that risk when you're investing in individual stocks. Is it a meme stock that's having these ups and downs because people are playing this game, or is it a high-quality stock that's going to help you achieve your goals? Does it fit in your investment strategy? Um, When you're going to choose an individual stock to invest in, think of yourself as part owner of it. So does this company, is it worth something? Does it have a competitive advantage? Uh, what's the future potential of it? Is it is it a safe investment? Those are really the things that you should think about if you're a long-term investor and not, you know, don't pay attention to those volatile price swings for a company that, you know, isn't, it doesn't really, the, the price movement doesn't, isn't really warranted. Um, you want to buy stock in a company that, has those strengths or maybe is even um, undervalued right now. You know, a company that the price is actually lower than what, you know, what it's worth and it's going to go up over time. So um, when you're watching the news and you're hearing about all these crazy swings, uh, don't, if, if, if you're not playing that day trader game, um, don't get involved. <laughs> don't get involved in it. Um, being a day trader, yeah, you see, oh, it seems like easy money, right? But it's actually really difficult to... Uh, Stay on top of the timing of those things because if if you're not really tuned into it and paying, you know, you have to devote your attention to that like a hundred percent because if you miss your opportunity, um, it's, it can be very costly and uh, it'll make you pretty upset. So, um, that's one of the tips that was in that book, Psychology of Money, that related to this article that I had just seen about uh, meme stock. So. I wanted to share that. Remember your goals. Remember your time um, horizon. Another little tidbit from that book that I can share before our last break is that the price of success in investing is that volatility. Okay, You have to pay like a fee um, in order to get these returns. There's a cost associated with it, and that is being able to you know, tolerate those those ups and downs. Um, it, it, you can't get the great market return with no cost. You have to be able to, you know, stomach that there is some uncertainty, there is some doubt, maybe a little bit of regret when you're investing. Um, but just remembering that that risk pays off over time. So you pay for th- for that return and you pay for that growth um, with the uncertainty with the little bit of fear once in a while, um, you know, when your stomach hurts because you look at your account because right now, you know, September things dropped and your value went down a little bit. Yeah, that's the cost of investing. Um, it's not always going to go up. It's not free, right? Um, if you try to avoid volatility by trading in and out, you know, to avoid a recession or to buy before the next upswing, usually your returns suffer, so trying to avoid paying that price is going to cost you more in the long term. You have to accept those ups and downs as your fee, and then you can enjoy the long-term benefits of being in the market. Uh, great book. 
Psychology of Money. I highly recommend reading it. Uh, give me a call if you have a question we can answer in the last half hour of the show. The phone number here is 610-720-7900 or send me an email to alyssa at askmtm.com. We have about 28 minutes or so left to talk, so um, get your questions in as soon as you can. I look forward to hearing from you, and we'll be back after this break. back this is our last segment of today's show um we're here till 10 o'clock on more than money i'm your host today Alyssa young gene is away having some fun um we played gene's music today i'm sorry if you're disappointed um in the van on our way to the airport to and from the airport for our trip to atlanta this week um i was really happy with the music that the driver had on and uh he on the way there on uh thursday morning it was very early um there was a madonna song on the radio um live to tell i think is the name of the song and i was like turn it up this is a you know sing along madonna song so it, it, that inspired me to play uh, a madonna's ch- a madonna channel on spotify this morning on my way here there was an 80s and 90s Madonna mix. So that was um, that was fun. I like when I think of um, like a good artist or a, a good genre to play on Spotify and I get to mix up my uh, listening. But I highly recommend Madonna. Maybe, maybe we could play Material Girl. That would be like the opposite of more than money advice <laughs> on the show. Um, so if you have a question for me, you have a little more time left to get it to me to answer today. You can call 610-720-7900 or email me at alyssa at askmtm.com. I mentioned earlier that we are preparing to um, interview someone on a future show to answer your questions about home and auto insurance. So if you have any, if you want an explanation about tort or uh, what the limits should be on your policy or how to find the best premium, email me whenever you have a chance over the next week or so. And um, when we get that interview lined up, we'll make sure your questions get answered. Um, So that's something I hope will be interesting or informative for you. We'll just take, you know, 20, 25 minutes maybe to um, ask someone some questions that uh, you might have on your mind. Um, I have some more emails that I would answer today. This one says, I'm 65 years old and plan to retire at 66. I presently own my home, although it still has a huge mortgage. My plan is to move to a town outside Paris where cost of living is much lower. I'm, uh, I presently have $120,000 in a brokerage account, 
$25,000 in a 403B account. I will have Social Security of $1,950 per month. What would you suggest I do to make sure my money lasts? So I can confirm, because I actually spoke to this gentleman, that when he says that he plans to move to a town outside Paris, he does in fact mean Paris, France. (laughs) Um, So that's an exciting adventure um, to relocate from the Poconos to Paris, something to look forward to in retirement. Um, The biggest piece of the puzzle to answer this question is nailing down what his cost of living actually will be. I imagine, you know, you can estimate it now, but that might be difficult to be sure what it will cost to live outside of Paris in retirement until you've been there for maybe six months to a year. Uh, One of the things to keep in mind in a move like this is how does the exchange rate affect how much of your expenses your Social Security benefit will cover? Uh, Another factor that might be unknown right now is medical insurance or medical bills in France. How do they compare to what you're used to? So I think the biggest question mark is really identifying that target spending number. Um, And that could take some time, but we can work with an an estimate for now. And then maybe the plan needs to be adjusted in the future. Uh, one option to explore. So we're talking about, you know, having $145,000 in assets and a relatively modest Social Security um, benefit of about $2,000 a month. So we do have to be careful. Um, At 66, um, that's not a huge number to work with. Um, And so it might be best to explore whether a tool like a fixed annuity something that gives a lifetime benefit could generate enough income per month. Um, Because with a tool like that, you can get the guaranteed lifetime income stream. Whereas if you were managing that money in an investment account and there's not, you know, set guarantees and you're free to withdraw what you need or want as you wish, and you're also subject to some, you know, market volatility... Mm, could you feel like you are at risk of out, you know, outliving your money? Yeah. Um, unless, of course, we can really be sure or we eventually know that the cost of living is less than that Social Security benefit. And, and that's going to go a long way toward, you know, covering things. So the annuity, if you need income to supplement the Social Security, the annuity with a guaranteed lifetime income stream might be the most secure way to go about it. Just making sure you have enough money to pay your bills and live the rest of your life in, in France. Um, so something you might consider would be to wait until you know. Um, give it some time. Like I said, live there for a little bit and see how things are going before you commit your money to um, an annuity. A fixed annuity like that's going to have a very low interest rate. So you're not going to have a lot of growth opportunity um, you're just going to have that lifetime guarantee. So you have to balance, you know, what you what you really need. And again, maybe having, um, you know, a better sense of what it's going to cost is going to make help you make that decision. Um, the other point I wanted to make, oh, your 403B, if you left it in that format, you know, will have RMDs, required minimum distributions. 
that would start at age 72. Um, and then you also want to consider whether you want an opportunity to leave a legacy or not. Um, so what are your priorities? Is it just to make sure that you don't run out of money um, or do you want to uh, have something left over? So definitely some more questions to answer, but um, I think that the main objective here is to really make sure we know how much do we need and um, will that Social Security cover it? Okay. Um, if you are planning to retire to another country, I'd love to hear from you about your um, your goals and what you're uh, expecting. That sounds pretty exciting. Uh, we have a phone call with a question. Um, we have another Jim. It's the morning of Jim's. Jim, good morning. <laughs> how are you today? Good, good morning, Alyssa. How are you? Great, thank you. Thanks for calling. How can I help you? Sure. Well, you had talked earlier about uh, diversification as part of a plan for inflationary concerns. Mm -hmm. I have a 401k that's managed by the company that I work for. Pretty substantial. It's over half a million dollars. And I'm very limited in what I can choose for the investment choices. Mm -hmm. It's managed by the company through Fidelity Investments. And Fidelity, although they have a huge portfolio of choices, we only have about two dozen that we're restricted to choosing from. Uh, one of them is a bond fund. You got me pretty scared talking about how vulnerable bonds can be to inflationary issues. They have a money market. I mean, I guess that's pretty pretty um, vulnerable as well. Mm -hmm. They have a couple of mutual funds. Uh, they have an international fund. I guess the, the, the basic question is, you know, can I somehow force the hand of the company that I work for to open up other choices given given the risks that the future poses with this out-of-control spending and the devaluation of the U.S. dollar? Uh, that's a great question, Jim, and valid concerns uh, for sure. So, you know, 401k plan administrators are required to offer a certain diversity of options so that you can achieve some kind of diversification in your portfolio. But that said, like you just described, they're not always, you know, a great um, spectrum. So you can accomplish some you can accomplish some diversity there where if you um, change the, the allocation and how much you have in equities, bond, money market, um, you know, you have control over that piece. Do you know if you have a target date fund as an option in there? Yeah, there are several, but I've actually looked at those. The performance doesn't seem to reflect the time horizons that you're locking your money up for. I mean, they're virtually the same across the board, and they're, they're, they're not that impressive, to, to be honest. Um, and I know they don't guarantee any type of return. Right. So I would be reluctant to do that. As I'm trying to retire early, actually, within the next six years or so. Okay. Um, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, those those were never appealing to me, but they do offer those. Okay. Uh, yeah, a lot of plans um, have target date funds that actually do very well. So they're they're different. You know, uh, it's it's good that you're looking at it closely because they vary from they vary from plan to plan, from custodian to custodian. Um, they're not all the same thing. So uh, I asked about that because oftentimes that's the best way to get sort of an automated 
uh, diversification that customizes as you're getting closer to retirement. Um, but if yours aren't looking, you know, that great, then that might not be the best solution for you. So one thing I could tell you if that you asked specifically, can you force their hand to give you better choice is you can check into whether or not you're allowed to do an in-service rollover. Um, that's an option that's available in some plans and, you know, they have different rules. Um, it might not be something you're allowed to do, but I think it's, it's either when you're over 50 or 55. And I don't know if this chart that I have is going to tell me which, which age is correct. Um, but I could certainly follow up with you and get you specific. I I meet both of those criteria. Okay. So. Okay. So then, so then, this would be an option you could explore: is whether or not you can do this in-service rollover, which would allow you to take your current balance from your four hundred one k out of the four hundred one k and roll it into an IRA account, where you can then either self-direct it or hire an advisor to manage that for you where you would have all of the options you could ever want um so some plans allow you to do that and some don't if it's a if it's an option for you because you specifically are looking for different you know opportunities it would be something to consider um when you do a rollover from a 401k to an ira there are some things you need to keep in mind the expenses might be a little bit higher you know so they they do you know tap into your return a little bit more if you have to pay higher expenses than what you would do in a 401k. But if you have better return potential, it could very well be, be worth it. So to be honest, to be honest with you, Alyssa, I am most concerned about purchasing power preservation. I don't much care about growth. I just want to be able to preserve the purchasing power of what I've managed to accumulate over the years. I don't want to see it obliterated by an irresponsible federal government. And that's, I think, what's coming down the pike. It looks like a locomotive heading right at us. And I hope I don't sound too alarming, but I unfortunately don't hear enough talk in Washington around this issue. I I do hear it occasionally from some of the more responsible politicians that we have, Mm -hmm. but most of them, it's like a piggy bank that has been smashed apart and I just heard on the break, you know, they're 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 cooking up another couple trillion that they're going to ram down our throats. I see no end in sight. So my most pressing concern is the purchasing power of what I currently have. And I, I would urge everyone to look at this very closely and see what they can do in a responsible way to preserve what little wealth they've managed to acquire. Yeah. Why did the socialists don't grab it all, by the way? <laughs> yeah, you're right. The way things are trending, it's certainly a concern, a very valid one. Um, we feel somewhat powerless right now with all you know everything that's happening in, in Washington, and it is scary. So you're wise to look at your options and see what you can do to protect the money you've accumulated, you've worked hard to accumulate, and you want to be able to retire and enjoy your time. Um, I encourage you to check on whether that in-service rollover is an option for you. If you need some help figuring that out, you can reach out to us at the office and we can give you some more specific direction. But that might be um, the thing that would give you, you know, the most control and peace of mind right now, considering what you're concerned about. Yeah, actually, you're at MTM Financial Group, right? That's right. Yeah, thanks. I think I might do that. And just a footnote to this, I have an email chain going back 10 years. Uh, expressing this concern to the company that I work for 
They laughed at me then, and they even laughed at me harder when I did it again about six months ago. Oh, wow. So I do have a history. I've got, you know, somewhat of a, of a, of a paper trail here, and uh, I think it's appalling that, that it's not being taken seriously. But maybe you guys can help me, and if not in this area, then maybe elsewhere. All right. So thanks so much. You're very welcome. And you take care. Good luck with your show. You too. Thank, thanks, Jim. Have a great day. Thanks for calling. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, J Jim is doing a good thing. He's sticking with it, sticking to his guns there and uh, trying to make sure he has uh, say over what's happening with his uh, retirement account. So good for you, Jim. Keep up the fight. Uh, we have another caller on the line. This time we're going to speak to Pat. Pat, good morning. Oh, good morning. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. How can um, I help you? I have a question. Do you know if I'm able to roll over a self-directed IRA into my employer simple IRA? Oh, that's a great question, Pat. I, do, I am not very well versed on the rules okay. of simple simple IRAs. I don't um, see as many of those, you know, um, there are different yeah, yeah well, there's different restrictions on some of those types of IRAs. I'm I'm consulting my here, I'm consulting my uh, chart to see if it will give me any answers right now. Um let's I see. I mean I'm a I'm a small employer, so I have about eight eight staff members and you know, we we have a simple IRA that I that I manage, you know, it's my business. Yeah. But I mean it's on their Schwab brokerage. I mean I could always ask them because all my self-directed IRAs are also under the Schwab. Yes. I was just thinking in my mid-50s, like, I would like to have, for some reason, I feel like I want them all under one, you know, account instead of having, like, a simple, then two separate self-directed IRAs, just like, you know, and, and so, I mean, I could check with them, right, the Schwab. Absolutely, um, yeah. They would definitely be able to answer that question for you, and it would... It, I think because the tax rules are the same, it's certainly a possibility. Um, you know, simple IRAs have different contribution limits and stuff. Right. Um, but but if you're putting it into an existing account um, with the with the same tax rules, it's certainly possible that that's allowed. Schwab should be able to answer that for you. Or if you want to reach out to me by email or call the office, I can ask Schwab on your behalf. Schwab's our custodian as well. And so I okay. can talk to our service team and get an answer to you. I'm sorry I, that I don't know 100%. No, that's okay. I, I appreciate it. And just one point. If we're talking about the preservation of capital, I mean, we have to have some growth in our portfolios. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think? Or, yes. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're going to not, you know, have an allocation for growth, where's that preservation of capital going to come from and one more quick point i mean the value stocks the value equities have uh -huh. done amazingly well in the past 12 months yes and dividends you know when i was 21 years old i met a customer he was a stockbroker real quick and i didn't i didn't know what the rule of 72 was and he told me what it was and for the last 35 years i mean if there's anything that can be taught to teenagers in high school start with the rule of 72 and understand time and interest rates and what that will mean, you know, to you and your investing life over 30 years or 40 years. That's and thank right. Thank you for taking the call. You're welcome. Thank I you. Appreciate it. Thank you for calling.
Pat's Pat's right. Um, preservation of capital needs to have growth in in the equation, uh, and whether it's appreciation or income, uh, he mentioned dividends. Uh, interest interest income is very minimal these days, but dividends are another way. Um, and those value stocks often pay dividends. Those are your you know blue chip, um, large cap companies that have been around for a long time, and they're paying dividends to their shareholders. So. Getting more um, from your investments in the in you know the form of growth or in um, in dividend income are the best ways to preserve your your money and make sure you have purchasing power in the future as prices go up. Um, so yes, thank you so much for your call for sharing that, and um, I totally agree with you that kids need to understand what he's talking about with the rule of seventy two. Um, the growth that can happen when you start with a small investment and you give it time to grow. And I, I, I keep talking about this book that I um, am reading, and that's what it says is the most powerful tool is time. The rule of 72 specifically being uh, talking about how your investments can double, how long it would take to double. So if you were to estimate growth of 10% um, per year in your portfolio, you take 72 and you divide it by 10. We're talking about, we'll estimate seven. That means that it takes seven years for your portfolio value to double if you're getting about 10% growth per year. So if you had that Roth IRA that started at $5,000 and in seven years, it's 10,000. In seven more years, it's 20,000. In seven more years, it's 40,000. When you're talking about being a teenager, not needing that money you know, until you're 65, that's a lot of doubling. <laughs> and that number gets big really fast. So that's a great point, Pat. You, you know, we should be teaching kids about this so that they uh, see the value in, in, you know, leaving that money that they that they have, even if it seems like a small amount that they could just use to buy a video game or, a, you know, the new PlayStation or whatever. Um, instead, invest it and instead grow it and look what you can um, end up with. Um, we have a few more minutes, so I can hit at least one more quick email. This one is so short. All it says is, I'm looking for a firm that can assist with retirement, tax, and estate planning. Uh, I would answer this very simply is you just found one. Um, At MTM Financial Group, we do actually help with all of those things. We have a tax department. Not only can they handle your income tax returns, but they collaborate with us as financial advisors to talk about how best to reduce your tax liability how to manage it, like I was just talking about earlier with, you know, splitting up your capital gains to make it more manageable. We get lots of good tips from our tax experts uh, in the department, so um, we can help you with that. As far as estate planning goes, um, you know, as financial advisors, we are pretty well-versed and have good resources at our fingertips when it comes to establishing beneficiaries, transfer on death accounts, but we also have that partnership I've mentioned with Keith Stroll, who is an estate planning attorney at Steckel and Stop, and he offers free consultations where we can discuss your will, powers of attorney, living wills, do you need a trust? And what's great is we work together with him so well. So if we're managing your accounts, 
he's giving you that advice and we need to make sure that your accounts are titled properly, your beneficiaries are properly identified and updated. We take take care of all of that together as a team too. So we definitely have a team approach and that helps us to uh, cover all of those topics, the retirement tax, estate planning. Um, so you are welcome to call us to request one of those free second opinion meetings where we can get you started down the right path of planning that stuff, answering your questions, making sure you know um, what's best for your unique situation. Um, those second opinion meetings, we can talk about your retirement plan. We can talk about your investments. We can talk about Social Security and Medicare, life insurance, annuities, um, reverse mortgages. Is that a tool that would be helpful for you or not? Um, will reviews. So we have dates on the calendar for November and December for uh, life insurance and annuity audits, for a meeting with Mark Basak, our Social Security Medicare specialist, and for those free will reviews. So if you want to get on the calendar, give us a call. If the November and December dates aren't good for you or they are filling up, I know um, a couple of those dates might only have like one or two appointment slots left. Uh, soon we will add dates in January, February, March. Uh, so then there will be a whole new uh, book of appointments, times available that you can get um, get in on and take advantage of. Um, our office is on Hanoverville Road in Lower Nazareth Township, uh, north of Bethlehem, south of Nazareth. We can meet you there. We can meet you on Zoom. We can meet you on the phone. So we would be happy to help. You can also email me anytime if you have a question you want us to answer on a future show. Um, it's Alyssa at AskMTM.com. On our website, MoreThanMoneyOnline.com, there's an Ask Gene button where you can send your questions and Gene will get it and we'll make sure that we get back to you by email, but we'll also share your question with our audience on a future show. Well, I want to thank you for being here with me this morning and I hope I was able to give you some valuable information. I hope Gene's having fun this weekend. I'm off to some soccer games, some grocery shopping, some laundry, some running, good times. <laughs> uh, it's been fun. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and we'll tune in next time on More Than Money. I'm giving